The opinions and views shared in this podcast are the opinions and views of the host and the host alone. They are not a reflection of his employer or any other organization that the host is a member of. The host does not speak for anyone, only himself. This is the I Am Pith Podcast. Get ready for contact. One thing I've learned in my decade of experience as a police officer, that is that intent is everything. When you arrest somebody on a charge and you take them to court, you know, you have to have probable cause beyond a reasonable doubt. But also you have to prove that person's intent. Was that what was the actions that that person took and the outcomes that transpired from those actions? Was that that person's intent? For me, I have to tell everybody before this podcast what my intentions are, because if you don't, people will assume your intentions. And I don't want people to assume what my intentions are. Even though I feel as though I've been slightly disrespected in a way by being ignored, it is not my intent to disrespect, discredit or shame any LMPD leadership or this police department, because I love this police department. It is not my intent to be controversial, polarizing, or be divisive. And I, I want you all to understand, I don't want your sympathy. I don't want anybody to cry for me. I don't want to hear poor Dexter. You know, I have had a great life and a wonderful career here on this department. I do not have any personal problems any beefs or bones to pick with anybody individually, but clearly I feel like someone does with me. This is my simple. This is simply my intent to share with you my experience as a black police officer who is not black enough, according to woke community standards. So in 2020, during the height of the riots and the protests going across the country, LMPD here in Louisville, we were one of the epicenters for protests due to the Breonna Taylor incident here. And let me tell you, if anybody was watching the news or scrolling social media, LMPD was constantly at the forefront right next to Minneapolis. Me and my brothers and sisters, I mean, we were losing the PR battle every day. Negative story after negative story. I grew tired of it. We all grew tired of it because we know that the negative stories do not represent the majority of officers. And I've never really been one to put my hand up and stand up and try to do something. But for the first time in my career, I felt urged and compelled to do something, to come up with an ideal to help turn the tide, to help shine a good and positive light on LMPD. So I came up with this ideal. It was called LMPD Remembers. So during 2020, LMPD, we reached a record number of homicides. I believe it was like 170 homicides. And so many people in this city lost people that they loved. But for during 2020, due to the protest, the anti-police protests just sweeping the nation, 170 people in this community died. But there were only two names being called out that people wanted justice for. Breonna Taylor and David McAtee. But the rest of the 168 lives 
because they weren't killed by police. Those didn't deserve justice, I guess, and those didn't deserve attention. But the problem is, police officers, we are embedded in these communities. And when these calls come in and somebody is shot and killed and clinging to life, LMPD officers are the first ones there to respond. We are there in the midst of the worst moments of this person's life and that family's life. And if anybody remembers these names and wants justice for these people, it is the officers of LMPD because, yeah, we respond to the scene and they might not be our family members, but we carry the memories of these people with us home when we go to our families. You don't just simply forget somebody dying in front of you or the screams of a mother crying out to her child that's been shot dead in the street. We might not be family, but we suffer with these families and that gets lost. So I come up with this grand ideal because this whole year, everything has been about protesting and candlelight vigils. So I came up with this ideal called LMPD Remembers. And what it was, I wanted to plan a giant visual put on by LMPD. LMPD Remembers. LMPD Remembers the Fallen. What I wanted was officers on duty, off duty, whatever, to come downtown to a designated location, bring a candle and bring a board with the name of somebody whose life you tried to save that died or somebody who lost their life on homicide scene in which you were there standing. And I wanted to reach out to some of the families that had lost people that we were working to try to get them justice. And I wanted them to stand next to us to show the community and show people that despite what BLM and all these far left activists and all these other politicians say about police, that we were with them and that we were here. I had delusions of grandeur about this ideal. Just, man, this could be something big that could help turn the tide for us. This could go national and other departments could start doing this and maybe we can make something out of this. And I remember reaching out to a few people with my ideal on their higher up and worked around the chief's office. And we were busy at the time, of course. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. And of course, you know, nobody ever really got to it. And I, you know, and I always make up excuses such as I understand. I know we're busy. You know, hey, you know what? That was a stupid idea. Maybe I shouldn't have said nothing. Now, I always somehow turn things back around on myself, maybe because maybe it was me, because that's just what I'm used to. I've been doing my whole life. You know, so my deal literally goes nowhere. And it just kind of falls flat and falls short. I even had started a small group on WhatsApp of officers that love the idea, wanted to work with it on me. But they're like, we don't need the department to do this. But me, I was like, I want the department to be with me on this. I don't want this to just be about me and my ideal. This is for all of us. This is for the community, the PD. This is for those that have lost somebody and the department needs to be the head of this. I didn't want kudos for this. I just wanted to be a part of it, even though I thought of it. Like I said, the ideal goes nowhere. Then lo and behold, we have a new police chief from Atlanta, Chief Erica Shields. And a lot of people jumped to judgment about her and passed judgment on her because of some of the things she was said coming in. Understandable. <clears throat> but for me, I wanted to meet her in person and have a one on one sit down with her and talk to her and hear things from her perspective. I mean, she's I feel like if anything, she deserves, you know, the right to be where she is because she has worked worked her way to the top in a male dominated profession in a large city. 
And that's not easy. And I have to we have to give her kudos for that. So she comes in and, you know, she's turning the place around and I start feeling excited for LMPD. Like maybe this is the breath of fresh air that we need and that the city needs, not just the officers. We all need this. And I remember her saying in an interview that she has an open door policy to everybody, even her officers. Typically, you got to go through the chain of command. But hearing her say she had an open door policy for the first time in my career, I've never felt like I was important enough or special enough. I'm just a guy in a uniform trying to help people. I never felt as though I was smart enough or good enough or needed to be on a level where I could just walk into the chief's office and talk to him. But I was so excited to have new, fresh ideals and a new, fresh direction for the department. And I wanted to share those with her and the police department. And I decided to utilize that open door policy. So I remember in 2020, the Hilliard Hines report comes out. And, you know, the city has spent all this money to do a report on LMPD and the things that were wrong with the department, what were right. And I remember I responded to her email that she sent out department wide and I introduced myself to her. I'm going to actually read the email to you. No, I sent this to her on January 29th of 2021. Chief Shields, first off, welcome to Louisville. I hope you are getting settled in well. My name is Dexter Pitts, and I'm a police officer in the 1st Division. I'm a 10-year veteran of LMPD. Not only am I a 10-year vet of LMPD, I'm a rehire. I left in November 2018 to pursue my dream of being a federal agent. I was with the United States Border Patrol for just shy of a year. When the riots kicked off in May of 2020, I felt compelled to come back home and swore back in with LMPD in June of 2020. In my 10 years, I have never utilized an open-door policy to talk directly to the chief. As LMPD is trying to move forward in this tough time and we have new leadership and management, the rumor mill is buzzing, but I refuse to listen to it and all the negativity that comes with it. I would much rather go to the source and speak to you in person if possible. I'm sure that your schedule is loaded and your time is precious. If you could find time, I would appreciate an opportunity to be able to sit down with you for a few minutes and introduce myself in person and converse with you briefly. I'm currently assigned to 3rd Platoon in the 1st and typically get off at 0800 hours. I do not mind staying a little later after my shift if that time best meets your availability. Thank you, Chief. Take care. Respectfully, Office Dexter Pitts. And I give Chief Shields kudos and appreciate her for responding to my email a couple days later. Good morning, Officer Pitts. Thank you for the work that you do and for reaching out to me. My schedule is rather tight for the next week, but I certainly want to meet you sooner than later. I am CCing my executive manager who will help me get you slotted in for a meeting. Thank you again and have a great day. And I responded the following day. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. I look forward to meeting you. Take care. So I sat and waited for weeks, months. And I said, this is not a stab at the chief. But I waited And I never got an email to get scheduled. And I debated on doing this podcast or waiting for a certain amount of time. Maybe they would get back to me. I said, maybe I'll give it a year. But let's be honest, we are in November. And this was nine months ago. So how much longer should I wait for a response? You know, I've been doing this job long enough and I I get the hint. I understand being told, no, 
you're not coming to here to talk to anybody in this office. Like I said, that's not necessarily coming from the chief, but possibly her executive manager. You know, I've talked to other officers, black officers that have scheduled meetings with the chief and gotten them. But yet me, I'm sitting here like, what's wrong with me? Why do I, Dexter Pitts, not get this opportunity to utilize an open door that was given to all officers? But what's wrong with me? And I've heard another black officer tell me, well, just email her back, email the executive manager back. And I'm the type of person I'm prideful. And for me, I'm not going to hawk you down anybody to make you pay me attention or give me time. That's just not what I'm going to do. Either I'm important on the front end when I come and need you or I'm not. Either I want to be heard at the initial beginning or I'm not important enough to be heard at all. So I took the hint. And let me tell you why I believe I was never given a meeting. It's not because the chief don't like me. The chief don't know me and I don't know her. I wanted the opportunity to show her who I was as an officer and who she could count on in the streets to be the best representation of this department. And that's when I realized that the battle I've been fighting my whole life as a black man had struck again in the fact that for somebody in command, I, Dexter Pitts, was not black enough. See, I am black. I'm black as night. You can look at me and tell. But I am not politically black. I am not black to the standard. I do not fit the definition of what someone thinks that a black man should be. See, I've been here for a long time on this police department, over 10 years, and I've not asked for any special treatment or any special privilege during the decade I've been here. But when I reach out to use an open door policy at the highest level, but have that door shut in my face by somebody that's supposed to be in charge of me and leading me, I don't know who that person is, but that door shut in my face. I take it personal. It's an insult. But like I said, this has been the story my entire life. Someone believes that because I am black, I should and have to be a Democrat because I'm black. I should be in support of all things black. Because I have black skin, I should just told the black party line and shut the hell up and go on and do as told. And because I have black skin, but do not play the victim every time something in my life or career goes wrong. Or because I don't have the race card at the ready every time there is a problem in my life and someone has a problem with me because of that. So my question is, when will I ever be black enough? See, my family's from Mississippi, Bolivar County, the Delta. I come from a heritage of slaves. My grandfather was a sharecropper for 50 years in Mississippi. I was born black. I have lived a black life. And when I die, I am going to die black. I have been called a nigger while wearing this uniform more times than I can count. I remember being called to a run on Southwestern Parkway in the West End, and I had this little old white lady spit in my face. I mean, she reared back and said to me, fucking nigger, and spit in my face. And then as I arrested her and take her down to the jail, she's in the back of my police car with a spit mask on, yelling, I'm going to tell them that you raped me, you dirty ape. You know, I have patrolled black neighborhoods, 
by choice. When I left the PD and came back, I had the choice of where I could go and work. But me, I chose to come back downtown. See, I could be out in the East End patrolling the nice, quiet suburban neighborhoods where people wave at you with their entire hand. But see, I chose to be where my services and talents are needed more. And that is in the underserved minority populated parts of this city where they want more officers that are black. But yet, I guess that doesn't count. And that's not good enough for whoever you are. So what do I have to do to be good enough to be considered black according to your standard? And like I said, but this has been a battle I have fought most of my life. I remember last year when I was invited to an all black LMPD officer group. I was in the group for maybe five minutes and I saw some of the things being said that I just did not agree with on a personal level. And I bowed out of that group because that's not how I want to be represented or I don't want to be a part of a group. And I remember seeing some of the things said in there and I saw that word Uncle Tom. And I was like, you know what? And there's some don't get me wrong. There are some phenomenal black officers that in that group, but I do not want to shame anybody in that group. But if you want to be in that group, that is your personal business and that's what you want to do. Go for it. But me. Dexter Pitts, I cannot and will not take part in such a group. I just feel like it's wrong, especially as a Christian, when it is my mission to go out here and save men and people, not just look out for people who have my same skin color. But I always find it so funny how some can call me a house nigga, an Uncle Tom, and I'm being called that. Apparently, I'm thinking by somebody that's working in a cushy position in the office while I'm still down here in the streets slaving away and I'm the sellout. But there's someone standing in that office looking down at me and passing judgment upon me because they don't like my political leanings as a black man and as a black conservative. I want to know what is it about the principles that I live my life by? The Pitts principles, personal responsibility, integrity, trustworthiness, tenacity and selflessness. What is it about these principles that I live my life by that make me an Uncle Tom, a coon, less than a black man or sellout or that make me white and whitewashed? Why are these attributes only attributed to white people by other black people? You know, I view these principles as good principles to live by regardless of what color you are, because these principles coerce me into doing the right thing. But for some odd reason, they are frowned upon because for me, when you're as dark as me and you're black, it's not about doing the right thing. Sometimes it just simply boils down to doing the black thing. So doing the black thing. Case in point, the Breonna Taylor incident. In comes Daniel Cameron, the attorney general for the state of Kentucky. And I remember he was coming in to do the investigation. And I remember Breonna Taylor's mother doing an interview with her lawyer. And let me tell you, I've been black 37 years and I read through what her mother meant. Her mother said, we just want you to do the right thing. As a dark skinned black man for 37 years, I interpreted that as Dan Mr. Daniel Cameron. We don't want you to do the right thing. We want you to do the black thing. 
and charge these white cops. That's what that was. And let me tell you something before he even gave a verdict and gave his decision that these officers were not going to be charged. They started slandering this brother day and night. They hit him with all types of Uncle Tom's coons, coonery and buffoonery and all that. I remember everybody's most beloved favorite singer, Beyonce. Her mother made a post about Daniel Cameron. Not just made a post, but Daniel Cameron was in, is was engaged at the time to a beautiful white lady. Oh, but there was a problem with that. So the post goes, hashtag Breonna Taylor. Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron had an engagement party this weekend. And the response from Beyonce's mother says, I was shocked to learn that the Attorney General for Kentucky is a 34-year-old black man. And above it, it has pictures of him and his fiance celebrating their engagement. And above that, below that, it says, we are ashamed of you, brother. Coonery at its finest. And then there's another meme that was going around of A.G. Daniel Cameron that had pictures of him and his fiance. And all it said was, this is the man responsible bringing justice to Rihanna Taylor. And it's just pictures of him and his wife, fiance. They didn't have to say anything but i knew what they were insinuating that the black community was not going to get justice because this brother is a sellout because part of my language but this nigga is getting married to a white woman and he then forgot he's black that's what they were insinuating and so when the verdict came out and the family did not get the justice that they wanted they continued to slander this man that has accomplished great things as a black man in this country like, who would you want your child to be like, George Floyd or Daniel Cameron? And it didn't stop there. This heifer, Megan, Megan the Stallion, she goes on SNL and does this live performance. And in the back has a sign that says Daniel Cameron is no different. But to read that meme and where it says, we are ashamed of you, brother. Coonery is finest. Let me tell you something. Don't you dare call this man brother. And just the same to anybody out there on this police department or in my life that thinks I'm a coon or a sellout. Don't come to me and call me your brother because I am not your damn brother. My brothers don't judge me because of my politics or how I feel about certain issues. They judge me according to my character and the things I have done in and out of this uniform. But see, that's the thing with black people in America. <clears throat> We black people hate to be victims of racism, but for some odd reason, we love to victimize each other, especially those of us with dark skin. Oh, don't get me started. Let me tell you something. You have no clue what it was like for me growing up, having dark skin, being tortured and terrorized and chased around by the other black kids for being so black and beat up and bullied for being black and then being told that I'm not black. You're really white, you know, and then last year during all these protests and riots, I remember seeing these memes that says because I have a black son or because I have a black daughter. Let me tell you the truth of the reality is as someone with dark skin in this country that has been in constant contact with the black community since he was born. I don't have to. I am not raising my daughter in fear of the KKK in fear of some evil racist white men or some Trump supporters that are going to 
just attack my daughter and brutalize her and take her back into slavery. You know what I have to do? I have to build up my daughter's confidence and her self-esteem and tell her that she is beautiful every day because my beautiful baby has beautiful chocolate black skin and people are going to target her because she is so dark skin. And I know the feeling of what it's like. You all have no clue what it's like to be a dark skinned person in this country and then to be shamed on and crapped upon by other people that are black and feeling that you're not good enough and that you're an inferior and being dehumanized for the color of your skin by your own people to the point to where you go get skin bleaching cream, believing that your life is going to improve because you're lighter and that people are going to like you, that maybe the girls will like you because you're a little bit lighter, as opposed to being the butt of every joke and being the laughing stock of a school because you're so dark. But yet, hey, man, we brothers, we got to stick together, man. You know, and then what gets me is the whole she's pretty for a dark skinned girl. Let me tell you something. My daughter is beautiful beyond belief, not just for a dark skinned girl. She's just simply beautiful, period. We don't need the additive for a dark skinned girl. My baby girl is beautiful and I'm going to let her know that she is beautiful every day. No matter the onslaught that comes against her for having dark skin, because I know there are going to be black people out there that are going to do it to try to make her feel less than. But with me, Dexter Pitts, as her father, I am going to build in her a woman in a shell that is impenetrable. Because I know what it's like to be that kid tortured every day for being dark skinned. And even though I'm 30, 37 years old now and I've moved on and I've healed and I've come to love myself and love being black in my dark skin. Because at one point in time, I was ashamed of having black skin because how other black people made me feel. I will not let that pass on to my daughter. But like I said, this treatment ain't nothing new. You know, and I find it so bizarre that the person that was supposed to email me from the chief's office to schedule me a meeting called me years ago to warn me and tell me that there were other black officers on this department talking about you saying horrible things about you that you were a to uncle tom a sellout and a coon and just giving me fair warning and then i remember this person going to tell me just know that your daughter's beautiful she's got beautiful skin and her hair keep it natural it's beautiful just the way it is then i see this person a couple weeks ago at the fop and they walk straight past me like I didn't exist, didn't even acknowledge my presence. And all I wanted to come up to that person and say is and ask is, what have I, Dexter Pitts, done to you to make you despise me, to ignore me and make you feel like I don't deserve a chance to have my story and my voice be heard? Point to me. Did What did I do to hurt you? Because I know I didn't send anybody in any appropriate, any inappropriate emails or e or text messages. I've not talked about you in a bad way. I've not gone out of my way to do anything to hurt you or anybody else. But for some odd reason, you got this thing against me. If I've hurt you, let me know and I'll make it right. But that's the thing. I've never gone out of my way to hurt anybody or to offend somebody. But some odd reason, people don't have a problem with doing that to me. And I feel like that's because people look down on me because I have dark skin, possibly. But like I said, why does my black voice not deserve to be heard by those who are supposed to be leading me? You know, and I remember this incident down last year during the summer at the Second Street Bridge 
where I was standing on the riot line and it was hot as heck that day and I was sweating myself to death. The humidity was so thick and these protesters were just pelting me, these black protesters saying the most evil, vile things to me, talking about how black and ugly I was and they're going to fire me. They're coming after my family. You know, they want black justice, but I'm not good enough to go get black justice for anybody. You know, I'm just here. I'm just a punching bag. And I remember one protester. He wanted me to kneel before him. That was the thing. Take a knee. And I told him, I ain't taking a knee before nobody. I only kneel before God. But I'll pray with you. Give me your hand. You know, he wouldn't give me his hand. So I folded my arms and I prayed. And I remember the news saw this and watched as I prayed for this protester. I prayed for the police department. I prayed for the city. I prayed for healing. You know, I'm a man of God. And, I, you know, I have my struggles. I'm not perfect, but my heart is in the right place. And the Lord knows that. But I remember going home and seeing that video of me praying being posted. And I remember people from my high school that I've known for years that I've literally never done a single thing to get on Facebook and start slandering me, talking ill about me. This dude is fake. This guy is a piece of crap. Oh, this is a horrible officer. And I say to those people that made those comments, what have I done to you? What have I done to you personally? And the, some of the people that were commenting, I was just appalled and shocked. Like, I've known you forever. We've never had a bad run in. But now all of a sudden, I'm this horrible, evil person that you're trying to make me out to be. And that this prayer was fake because I had my arms folded because I didn't take my hat off and I kept my shades on. That makes me a fake person, a fake believer. If you are listening to this, these people know who they are. I don't know if you don't listen. I don't know if you listen to this podcast or not, but if you do come to my page and tell me the I am Pitts page on Facebook. Tell me what I did to you personally to hurt you, to make you say those things about me. What did Dexter Pitts do to offend you or hurt you? Let me know. And if I did something to earn those evil things that means the horrible things you said about me, I'll make it right. But I know you don't have an answer because I know I've never done a single thing to you from what I can perceive. Like I said, I've been down in the hood a long time working and I ain't never seen none of y'all that are claimed to be down with the struggle down there. And you know, all you know who exactly who you are, but you want to find me, you know where to find me. You can catch me between first and ninth street any day of the week. As a dark skinned black man that has been through the ringer, for having dark skin. Let me tell you all something. I have spent the first 28 years of my life trying to be black, trying to prove how black I was, despite the fact that I was born black and God blessed me with beautiful black skin. I spent the first 28 years of my life being fake and just living a lie and that being who God called me to be. And I refuse to live that life anymore. And I find it so funny now that I am comfortable in my black skin. I'm comfortable with who I am. I know who I am and I know what I believe and I know what I stand for. And now because of that, everybody got a problem with Dexter Pitts. And now because I don't want to be in your cool kid club for black people, you know, that you get the benefits and the promotions and all the protections that come with it. That's a problem. But see, I refuse to live my life being anyone other than Dexter Pitts.
But see, if you think I am a horrible officer and I am a bad representation of not only this department, but I'm a bad representation of what it means to wear the badge, of what it means to be a community servant. If you honestly think I'm a bad officer, pull my personal file and look at my records. Show me where in my history of this department that I have done something to damage the image of this place or that I have done something so irreparable that it has damaged this badge and this city and this profession. Show me where I have done that. You know, if you're going to judge me, do not judge me based on my political standings and shut me down and shut me out because I am not black enough politically. But when you need a black face and a uniform to stand on the ride line and take all types of abuse, I guess I'm black enough then. But only if I keep my mouth shut. You know what? Judge me by my actions and my character and how I have served the city and its citizens. I am not in this profession to play politics. I am in this profession simply because I care about people and I want to help them. Why? Because I'm in this profession to help care for those who were once like me. Too scared, too timid to stand up for themselves. Too afraid to fight back. Looked down upon and bullied and being taken advantage of. Because you didn't look or think or act like everybody else. So when somebody calls 911 and I respond, you know what? I Yes, I am absolutely the kid that was bullied when he was younger and then became a cop. But see, I didn't become a cop to bully other people. I became a cop to be an intercessor for those who are too afraid to stand up for themselves and feel like they can't protect and defend themselves. And see, God has gifted me with the abilities to be able to stand in the face of evil and to stand against the opposition that would try to hurt me or anybody else that I have sworn to protect. See, We have had officers steal money from this department in the city, drive drunk. We've had officers beat their wives, rape women, rape children, use this, not just rape children, they use this profession and this badge to take advantage of young children. And they have cost this department in the city millions of dollars. They have stripped this department of its pride and its honor and its legacy. But yet you have me who has served here honorably for over 10 years and I've done nothing of the sort to discredit this department. But I guess being a black man in a uniform that is Christian and conservative and I live my life by these conservative values. But I guess because I, a black man that voted for Trump, that puts me in the same category with these other officers that have been fired because of their actions were so atrocious and just did absolute damage to this police department in this the profession. I guess y'all view me no different as these guys because of my politics. But the problem is I don't let my politics control and dictate how I do my job and how I serve and protect the citizens of this city. You know, there's not some magic list I'm going down when somebody calls 911 and they need help. I'm not going down this list checking off black, gay, straight, white, homosexual. None of that has ever mattered to me. All I know is you are in the worst moment of your life and you are looking for someone to come and help you in that moment. My politics do not dictate how I serve you and they never will. And it's so bizarre. The department keeps saying that they they want to make a push for more black and minority officers that, so that the police department reflects the community. 
Yet here I am, a black police officer who has served honorably for 11 years and tries to utilize an open door policy only to have that door shut in my face. You know, when I hear things such as we want more black and minority officers on the police department, I think we need to verify and clarify what we mean by we want more black and minority officers. Do you mean that we want more black and minority officers who are mindless robots that are politically black, left leaning and simply go along with the woke agenda? Or do we want black minority officers such as myself who are able to think for themselves independent of the pressure that is put on by group think and that does not let their personal and political beliefs interfere with how they serve the community? You know, during slavery, slave masters did not want their slaves to learn to read or write. Do you know why? They wanted to keep the slave ignorant and uneducated so that they could not learn the truth and keep them and so that they could keep their slaves enslaved. And if one slave got educated, it was a threat to the entire plantation, because if one learned to speak and communicate well, he could teach the other slaves and free them mentally and physically from slavery, which posed a threat to the slave master. Well, you know what? I guess no one expected this big, black, dark-skinned Negro from Hardin County, Kentucky, to be well-spoken and unafraid to stand up for myself and speak my peace to those who outrank me and those that lead this department. And because they have certain titles in front of their name and rank on their collar. And see, if after this podcast, in this episode... If I'm unfairly and unjustly targeted because of my personal experience as a black conservative officer in this department, so be it. If after this episode, I am blacklisted and barred from doing anything else on this department other than being a street cop, so be it. But I will let you all know now I will not cancel my podcast. I will not apologize for the things I've had experienced in my life or the things I've experienced on this police department as a black conservative. And I will not apologize for sharing my voice and my experience. See, this department can control what I do for 12 hours a day. Hold me accountable while I'm in uniform. And I am absolutely OK with that because I am on the taxpayer dime for 12 hours a day. Hold me to the highest standard. Look at my personal record and tell me if I have or I have not been up to that standard. But when I take off this uniform, yes, I am still a representative of this police department because people in this city will see and know that I am an LMPD cop. But just because I work here does not mean that I have given up my rights as an American citizen especially as a black man in this country that has fought and shed blood for this place. Do not tell me to be quiet or that I cannot express a thought. This is not America during the Jim Crow South. This is not America during the time of slavery. And me as a black man in this country that has almost died for this country, I am allowed to have a platform in which I can have my voice be heard. You might not like and agree with the things I say and do when I'm off the clock, but I do not forfeit my First Amendment constitutional rights. And let me remind you all, see, I, Officer Dexter Pitts, I am not here to play politics. I am simply here to serve the community, its citizens, and serve my fellow officers. I am here to help restore LMPD's good name and reputation. After having our reputation and officers dragged through the mud for over a year, 
I am here to make LMPD the place where people are stampeding through the doors to put in an application to come work here. Not to continue this current cycle and reputation of LMPD being the place where everybody is trying to escape. See, my message may not be liked or well received by some, but I'm at a point in my life where I do not care. Like I said, I spent the first half of my life caring too much about how I was viewed by others. But lucky for me, I came to the realization that I do not need my department's permission to be a free black man in this country and speak my mind. I don't need my department's permission to try to achieve greatness. And I do not want or need the black community's approval or permission to be black according to how I see fit. They say, do it for the culture, black man. Do it for the culture. Well, let me tell you what this black man does it for. I don't do it for the culture. I do it for the Constitution. This has been the Iron Pitch Podcast. You can listen to the Iron Pitch Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and on Podbean. If you all could, please go and rate the show on Apple. And if you could, leave me a comment. And I want to leave you all with this one last thing. Everyone in your entire life will try to tell you who to be, how to act, and what to be. You don't have to listen to them. You know who you are. Be who you are. I know who I am. I am Pitts. Have a good one. See you on the next one.